Hello and welcome to the Penguins Collective Podcast. My name is Louie. My name is Josh. And we are two brothers who love to debate about sports. Especially the Pittsburgh Penguins. We have an incredible guest today. The voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Josh Getzoff. Let's get after it. All right, so I got to say, Josh, uh, this job, did a lot of research. <laughs> but he did. He went all in. He was telling me what school you went to. All oh, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. he, he, he's ready to go. We, we got some questions for you. Um, but before we get dive into it, just want to say, how are you doing? How's the off-season off treating you? Things are good. Uh, you know, I mean, I wish that we were still playing hockey like everybody, I think, with the Penguins. But uh, we've yeah. kind of had a little bit of time to to process everything. Because um, now, I mean, it's been, what, like a month and a couple weeks since the regular season ended and yeah. uh, I came in Columbus. So, uh, you know, it's been good. I, I have a two-year-old, so I have a lot of time. Sorry, Siri's going nuts on my phone. But I have a, I have a two-year-old, uh, you know, he keeps me busy. My wife and I like to do some traveling. So that's time that hasn't necessarily been there the last couple off-seasons, uh, for good reason, is there this year. Um, so, you know, it's been good. You miss the games, you miss the, the grind, you miss the, uh, you know, the excitement and, and just being around the guys and the broadcasters and everything. But um, it's nice to step back a little bit, too, with, uh, with the weather turning into a positive way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you probably saw the the report that Crosby, you know, paid for someone's dinner out uh, at a resort. Um, have you have you been able to like actually like get out yet, or, or will that be you know like a, a later later date? Um, you mean like leave the Pittsburgh area? Yeah, like a like a full blown vacation with with your wife and your son. Yeah, we have a couple uh, coming up. Like, my wife's from Boston originally, um, so she's psyched about Fenway owning the Penguins. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to uh, But she's uh, – so we'll go back there uh, this summer. We're also going to go <clears> – we're also going to go out west. Uh, never been to Oregon, so we're doing that uh, later on this summer, like kind of closer to training camp, uh, so like an end-of-the-summer type trip. So um, that's kind of on tap. Otherwise, we're, we're pretty much in Pittsburgh. We really – you know, this will be – it's crazy to say, but this is going to be my ninth year with the penguins coming up yeah. so this is this has become home for us like in more ways than one um so you know we we looked at the summer and we have a couple things you know little trips here and there no real big ones other than those two i mentioned and otherwise we're just going to enjoy the summer here and uh you know be on the water and, and everything that comes with that sure i, I got just one one more question about your off season because i i too am a dad and i want to know do you have any travel secrets for traveling with a two-year-old like because I, I don't know what to do, and I have a four-year-old. Okay, yeah, so I, I, I can't help you with the four-year-old. I can tell you <laughs> with the two-year-old, um, I got a five-hour drive with him tomorrow, um, oh. actually. So we're heading out of town tomorrow, but um, just me, him, and my dog. So uh, oh, nice. definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll we've given him the books and everything. He likes the books with the pictures, and he can name things. He's also really into, which is lucky. I mean, we didn't really force anything on him. I think he just sees kind of how things have gone in our house. Like my wife's really into sports too. Um, she played sports in college and everything. So uh, you know, he's he's really into the Penguins, obviously, but he's also really into the Pirates, and he loves baseball. Oh, good, so, oh, sweet. We got these little like flip books with the Pirates and all that stuff, and he loves the parrot and like looks at all that stuff. 
stuff. So and the pierogies. Um, so he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's all about that. So I'm sure he'll be. Uh, at least that'll kill some of the drive tomorrow. And hopefully, fingers crossed, there's a nap involved in there too. Yeah. But yes. we'll get going where we need to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's always been our trick. Is you, we try to travel so that it lines up with their their nap time. So yep. that 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 kills a, a chunk of the the travel. So Louis will be Louis will be joining us in that that dad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Soon, soon. I mean, soon. I have the dog, which I mean that the that's a wild card with what I hear on the travel with the the baby and the dog. So that's going to yeah. be a rough one. Yeah, so you I'm have not a baby coming. To, what was that? You have a baby coming? No, 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 oh, not yet. No. Not yet. Well, oh, okay. his wife wants wants one. She's got yeah, the fever. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> That's... Good luck with that, sir. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Lou, you want to get started? No, yeah, you go for it, Josh. You, you run right. it. All right. Well, Josh, I was just uh, like looking into your background a little bit. I saw that you're from Southeast Pennsylvania. Um, so I, I kind of just got to jump with this right away. Like, were you a Flyers fan coming in to, in 2015 oh, good, when yeah. you got hired? So that's that's a fair question. That's a good question. To answer your question totally straightforward, in 2015, not so much. Okay. I did grow up a Flyers fan. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in the Philly area. It's just like anyone who grew up here. That was the team. Like, I'm yeah. not going to apologize for that. I, I, you know, I will say I was never one of those people that chanted Crosby sucks. I always, <laughs> I always, that's, that's, and that's kind of the reason why I drifted away from the Flyers in particular later, not so much because of that champ, but I started to cheer for players more so than teams mm. as I got older and went to college and stuff. Um, and then, you know, when I came to the Penguins, it was, it was something that I never thought would be possible where I grew up and how I grew up. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't like I was going to look away from the Penguins because I grew up in Philadelphia. So the roundabout answer to that question is in 2015, I, I would say I followed the Flyers. I wasn't a diehard fan of them um, as I was growing up, you know, when I was, you know, eight, 10 years old, 12 years old, like when you're kind of in those ages where the athletes are superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Like, so that, that was definitely a part of my past. But when I came here, it was more of like just a, I'm a hockey guy, like I'm a hockey fan and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, uh, I, I went to school for sports management and uh, I, I understand that, you know, it's 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 either who, you know, or you have a crazy work ethic. And that's that's what I'm starting to discover with this with that industry. And just looking at your background, all the internships that you took on, all the like little like, you know, essentially grunt work that you took to get to where you're at today, like I'm blown away just because there was a lot of stuff that like I just wasn't willing to do, you know, <laughs> being married and starting a family. I was just I just wasn't going to do it. But it looks like you did that. And like, you know, like, would you be able to just explain that experience just a little bit? Just, you know, like to put your head down, hitting the grindstone and just getting to where you're at, at you know, such a young age, being the voice of the, the Pittsburgh Penguins radio. I mean, that's it's incredible. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's it's uh, it's interesting because um, when you say that and when I look at that, like people have mentioned that stuff in my resume and you look at all the internships and everything. And I'm being completely honest when I say that when I did all that stuff, it wasn't like I was trying to stockpile my resume. I'm just addicted to it. Like I, I love 
the extra work. I love immersing myself. I love anywhere that I can gain an edge or learn a little bit more. Like I'm all in on trying to find a way to do something like that. So, you know, as I was coming up the ranks, it, it was never like hockey was always my goal, but it was never hockey or bust. If that makes any sense. Like I, I, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to work in sports broadcasting. You know, ideally I wanted to, um, when I first came out of college, I wanted to do play by play and there weren't opportunities. I mean, play by play is a harder, <clears throat> excuse me, a harder job to, you know, find your way, uh, towards because there's only so many positions. So I started to trend more towards the studio type shows, the anchoring and the reporting and, and doing local news until I came to the penguins. But it was always, you know, it, it never mattered the sport to me. Like if I could cover football, cool. If I cover women's volleyball, cool. If I'm doing field hockey, that's cool. If it's hockey, that's awesome. Um, but you know, like there was never going to be anything that was, I was going to say like, no, I'm not feeling that or no, I'm too good for that or anything like that. Like I, and I still have that approach. Like I, I would love to do more. Like if there's any opportunities to do more broadcasting in the Pittsburgh area or beyond, I'm, I'm always fair game. Like I love, I just love the profession. I love the, the feeling you get when you're calling a game. I love the preparation that goes into it. The people that you meet, um, you know, the players that you get to know and the stories of, of them that you get to tell, like that kind of to me has been the the reward in all of it, uh, you know, going up through the ranks over the years. Yeah, and I, I just want to ask a question. Obviously, you, you do all the hard work. You join the team with the seven in 17 and then you finally get the opportunity to work with the legendary Mike Lang to kind of make that transition. What was that like to kind of just be in the same booth as the legendary announcer? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I don't doubt that for a fact. Like I, I very feel very fortunate for how things worked coming here and being able to work with him immediately. Like I knew, I mean, obviously I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh, but I knew who Mike Lang was. Like, I think anyone who works in, or who is a fan of hockey and is a fan of broadcasting and hockey, like you have your holy pinnacle of, of broadcasters and his name is in it like it, to me at least it doesn't matter if you're from philly if you're from vancouver whatever like you know who mike lang is and you know his calls and you know how significant he is when i moved here i learned that it wasn't just mike lang the broadcaster it's mike lang the person and the impact in the community and you see him on the mural outside of uh shales outside of the pbg paints arena you see all these different kinds of pictures of him um and and i'm like wow okay so this guy I don't want to say a larger than life figure, but he's like kind of got this uh, persona where he's very much just a fabric of Pittsburgh on top of being a fabric of the Penguins. And I think that had a real impression on me, you know, coming in because this is a guy that's done everything, you know, like at that point they hadn't won the back-to-back -back cups when I came in in 2015, but he had called at that point three Stanley Cups. He had called Mario Lemieux, Yaramir Yager, Pierre LaRouche, you know, like all these guys coming up through the ranks and obviously the current crop and all the legends in that. And I'm just thinking to myself like, wow, like this guy is a perfect example of all the success, all the opportunity and he still is going at it at a hall of fame level after all these years. And uh, that was my first impression of it. And the other thing that I'll say, I remember when I first met him in Phil Bork, um, I was hired like the month out from the 2015 season, 2015, 16. So like I'm coming into that season. It was like a whirlwind. Like I think I got into Pittsburgh on like September 25th. The, the, the season opener was October 8th, which is my birthday. Uh, so that was kind of cool. 
Um, but when I got to training camp, you know, 25th, you're kind of far into camp at that point. Like there've been a couple cuts, there've been a couple preseason games. So I didn't have a chance to really get to meet a ton of the players, like as you would on the first day of camp or in some of those like off season camp captain workouts when they're in town and you just catch up with them at the facility. Um, and I don't even know about that stuff because you're not with the team and you don't mm -hmm. have to know all those things. But I will say when I first came, I remember my first day, Tom McMillan, who's since retired, uh, was kind of taking me around. He introduced me to all the players. Like, this is, you know, he's going to be working with you guys. Like, blah, blah, Everyone got Every guy, I mean, you know this about hockey players. They're just wired differently. Like, they look you in the eye when you shake your hand. They, they're, they're happy to talk to you. They give you a little back and forth. And then as I'm, like, moving my way out, he's like, oh, I want to introduce you to Mike and Phil. And, like, they were coming in. Um, and Mike comes over, and he's like, he, like, looks at me, starts, like, laughing, and he's like, how old are you? And I'm like, uh, 27. And he just like kind of put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, that's how old I was when I came to Pittsburgh. And like, I kind of like when I, when that happened in the moment, I kind of was like, Oh, that's cool. Like he was 27 too. But then like, as the years progressed, I kind of feel like, and I might be speaking out line here, but I kind of feel like he saw something with me right away. Like, okay, this is the guy that one day, when I'm ready, which is what it took, it was when he was ready to step away, I'm gonna make sure that he's the guy that takes the seat over and he's the guy that I can entrust this broadcast to. And I mean, I really believe that now when I look back on it. And, you know, we just started to build an unbelievable relationship after that, still to this day, like every game, text after the game, uh, usually oh, wow. something funny. Like usually so if Borky's losing his mind during the game, it's usually something, but like, he's like, put a leash on that guy, calm him down. Jeez. <laughs> like, and so he, like, but he's always listening and he's always giving great feedback and we still talk pretty regularly. Um, and I, I see him, I would say not as much as I would like, or any of us would like, um, you know, he's obviously scaled back like the public appearance here the last few years, but um, yeah. you know, he's still, he's still very vocal. Um, very involved. He talks to the players still. Um, I know when Chris Letang's father passed away earlier this year, he was in communication with Chris during all that. So uh, oh, wow. he's, he's, he's still very much like a part of the family. He's just not as visible uh, as he was. But man, what I, I mean, I could go on the rest of your podcast about him. Like, <laughs> he's, too. like he's, yeah. awesome. he's, he's just a great man. Yeah. I, I mean, one, one thing that I, I noticed is that when you officially took over full time. Uh, your your first game, uh, he 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 left you a little present. It was the uh, the hourglass, uh, I believe, right? Yeah. And at first, like I didn't fully understand what you meant by time and score, but then like I realized, like I started remembering. Oh wait, yeah, he does radio. They they don't have the privilege of having the little scoreboard in the corner. Like you are that scoreboard on top of every single play on you know on the ice like can you talk a little like explain a little bit the significance behind that that hourglass you know and kind of what it meant to you coming from mike sure so um not to correct you but just uh, from oh, yeah, sorry. a historic perspective that hourglass was given to me when i first started doing the preseason games for oh, him. So really? it was like oh, okay. the first oh, okay. time i ever filled in for him so technically it was my first <laughs> game but it was the first time i ever filled in for him it was in the uh, preseason of 2017, I think that would have been, or 2016, tw preseason of 2016. So after the first cup, um, and then I did the preseason the next year and then started filling in for him after that in the regular season. But, 
um, yeah, he, he gave that to me and it was just an egg timer. Uh, you know, the hourglass, like three minutes, three minutes. Um, and he's like, time and score, baby, time and score. And he's like, the gunner gave this to me and I'm giving it to you. And I'm like, I don't know if you can curse on this podcast, but holy shit, Bob Prince gave that to you. And now you're giving it to me. Like I have that thing. Let me see if I can, here it is right here. There it is. This is it. Uh, I keep it every game directly in front of me. And I'll be honest, I'm not flipping it every three minutes, but it's kind of a nod to him and like the legacy of Pittsburgh broadcasters that I can carry with me to all these buildings. Even when we're at PPG, I have it there too. Um, But you're right, Josh, like time and score is for radio. Like it's been said that in a five minute span, like if say there's 30 people listening to a radio station, in five minutes, there'd be another 30 people that haven't heard a word you said in the last five minutes that are just yeah. turnovers. So with the Penguins, you multiply that times hundreds of thousands with how many people listen to our radio broadcast. So, like, I got to be saying that every three to five minutes. I mean, obviously out of commercial breaks, but, you know, in game action, you got to let people know because if you're getting in your car and you're turning it on and you're just hearing the action, that's great for a while, but eventually you're like, well, who's winning? Like, what's mm-hmm. what, what time yeah. is left? What period are we in? So, um, to your point, you're right. I don't have that graphic to rely on. We have the harder job in radio for what it's yes. worth. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. You got to be more descriptive. Um, but I love that part of it because I think you can kind of paint a picture better and you can kind of tell a story better. But yeah, that's that's when I got that. That obviously means an incredible amount to me. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I bring it every game. Um, sits right in front of me and uh, it will continue to do that for the rest of my career. Yeah, so obviously radio is a lot harder. I, I mean, I, I'm just kind of in awe here just talking with you just because during last season when I'm on road trips or whatever, I'm just that you're the guy I turn on when I'm listening and it's just it's crazy that you're here um, talking to a couple of stooges like us, but uh, it's, it's just crazy to see that. But I do remember you being very good and then the old 2-9er going off and doing some crazy rants. What's it like working with him? And like, obviously, his persona matching with yours. How do you kind of kind of like work with that? And how do you how much fun is it in the booth with him when you're when you're just going to games? He's awesome. Like I have very few better friends that I have in Pittsburgh than Phil Bork. Like he's one of my best friends here. He's a great guy. Um, obviously he's a Penguins legend with what he's been able to accomplish here, but man, like so passionate, just loves the Penguins. And I have to tell people this, like sometimes people are like, wow, Borky just gets so animated. I'm like, he's not putting on an act there like this guy he genuinely cares like their wins and losses i'm not saying that i'm not if they lose a game that i don't leave the booth sad but like he wears it man like and and that's that's unique because i think a lot of guys in his position in today's day and age they do their job the game ends they go home he lives and breathes it and i that to me i'm biased but I listen to a lot of radio in the NHL. There's no better color guy than Phil Bork. Like it's it's just not it's not even close. He brings 
incredible knowledge of the game, incredible anticipation. He knows these coaches and these players extremely well. He knows the organization. He kind of just knows how things are supposed to be presented and what the standard of the Penguins is, which I think is important. Um, and he's he's just, you know, he's a really, really good at his craft. And he's really a guy that, uh, for me, I was able to lean on my first year filling in for Mike. Not so much my first full-time season, um, because at that point I'd been traveling for a few years and I kind of knew the buildings and the ins and outs of all that stuff. But my first year when I was filling in, didn't even bat an eyelash. Like, he's like, hey, come with me. I want to introduce you to these broadcasters. These are guys like, you know, over the years, you're going to want to know. You guys can change tra uh, trade information on players, yada, yada. Didn't, didn't like leave me on my own to figure that out. He's like, this is the media room. This is how you get up here. Hmm. Like, I was a rookie and he kind of took me in and was kind of like, here's, here's all these places. And that stuff to me, like, that's where you really show where you're all about. It's like, you know that you're established. Everyone knows who you are. But when someone else has to figure out their own stuff, like how much are you willing to lend a hand and help them? And he did. And, you know, he and I had a good rapport to begin with because we did the post game show for a few years before I took over for Mike. So it wasn't like we never worked together before. And in fact, I think with the post game show, we had a great rapport because so much of that is an emotional reaction to the game itself. That's true. Mm -hmm. So. I was used to him. <laughs> I was used to what I was going to get during the game because of that. And I think he was surprised a little by me with the play-by-play -play because it's a different kind of energy than you bring when you're hosting a show. Like, I'm not going to be going up and down in my cadence when I'm talking about a post-game show because then I just sound like I'm on drugs or something. <laughs> but when you're, when you're doing the game, like, you, you want to ride that wave of emotion yeah. and you want to be able yeah. to tell uh, kind of as things are unfolding at ice level. But I think, you know, and I said this a lot, for Phil and I, I grew up, I know you guys grew up in a world where when you watch broadcasts or listen to broadcasts, there's a play-by-play -play and a color guy. Like there's always two men or women. And in the world of Mike Lang growing up, not his fault, just the reality, there was one guy calling the game. Him. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes when he had the color guy, there was a, a not a reluctance to let Phil talk, but just it wasn't how he was wired. Like Mike was was the guy calling the game. He was the guy providing the thoughts. And Phil, you know, I think at times maybe had to pick and choose his spots really carefully because of that. I'm more of a, I will call the game. I will say something, but then I'm getting out of the way. I want the, the listeners to hear the color guy because that's just how I grew up. That's kind of what I'm used to. Um, and I think as a result, it's allowed him to build a little bit even more of a part of the broadcast because mm -hmm. he's talking more and he's able to get more thoughts in. And as a result, we're banging thoughts off each other. And there's more of a conversational aspect to the broadcast. And, uh, you know, there's there's jokes that are thrown out there. And, you know, we, ju we just have a good time. Like, I'll just share a quick story. Like the COVID yep. season, um, uh, the TV guys didn't travel. And Phil and I did. And we made that choice. That was, that was offered to everybody. We decided we wanted to do it. Um, you know, it was hairy at times, but it's past us now. And we had to, as a result, you were assigned seats on the plane and you were assigned seats on the bus. So Phil and I, because we were the only two broadcasters, every single trip of that season, we were next to each other on the plane, next to each other on the bus, spent the games with each other, got dinner with each other, got lunch with each other. We were like inseparable. And I think that year, um, aside from the, the, the friendship we had built, then you're just 
you're, you're always with each other. So then you become even closer and you have those conversations about hockey off the air that when you start talking about them on the air, you kind of look at each other and you know where the other one's going. And, you know, he is, he and I have pretty good rapport in that sense, like calling a game where if I know he wants to get in, like I can see him out of my peripheral and as I'm, as I'm finishing a thought, like you guys don't obviously see this on the radio and you're listening, but as I'm finishing a thought, like I can see him kind of looking at me and I just kind of give him a head nod, like while I'm talking and then he just yeah, goes. So like, it's just kind of that thing. Like I'm not, I'm not going to take his time. He's not going to take my time, but we find a way to have everyone have their time like during these broadcasts. And I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, this, that was actually one thing that I, I wanted to, to mention with you is that I felt that like with you and and Bork that it felt more like a TV broadcast than it does radio because of the banter of the back and forth, the, the more color commentating, you know, than like you said, old school, just play by play, you know, broadcast. So uh, I just wanted to just put that that I that's one of the reasons why I actually will sometimes put you guys on while I'm watching because it, I feel like it's a little bit better because you get a little bit more, you know, I, I think a little more meat coming from the actual, you know, radio because you're trying to paint the picture that I'm already seeing. So right. yeah, not, not to, not to bury Steve Mears or anything. Oh like yeah, 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 yeah. Steve, guys, Steve and Bob are yeah. great, but yeah, yeah. You guys are, you guys are fantastic. You guys hey, are fantastic. Listen, I, I... Uh, those guys are great. I agree. And I'll just say that you're not the first person I've heard that, that mutes the TV and puts on the radio. I think that goes way back to Mike Lang's era, but I'm glad yeah. to hear people still do it. So <laughs> absolutely. <That's... laughs> absolutely. So in terms of your calls, and you know, you're still quote unquote young. So like, I don't want to ask for your favorite all time call because, you know, but this last year was kind of a unique year for the Penguins, you know, had lots of ups and downs, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just putting it lightly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we we were talking about the roller coaster all year. I mean, uh, yeah, know, we had stretches of winning streaks and then losing streaks and heartbreak and all all that fun stuff. More heartbreak. So, <laughs> for for you being there every single game, what was your 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 best your favorite call from this season? Oh, from this season. Oh, man. Uh, hmm. Ooh, let's see. Uh, probably. So some of the ones that come to mind were some of the more dramatic ones just because they they are the first ones at the front of the mind. Like okay. I remember um, the, the game after Gino plays a thousand game, the Calgary game, the shootout winner by him. Yep, like yeah. that was just that was the game before uh, Thanksgiving. It was like the, the bar night where everyone goes out the night before Thanksgiving. Like that was so such a fun atmosphere that game. Um, and like Calgary at that point, the wheels hadn't come off yet mm -hmm. um, for them. Like they were towards the top of the NHL. They had smacked the Penguins the first time they played them like early, about a month earlier in Calgary. That's right. Um, and you know that Markstrom was playing really well and and I just remember like that win was a huge win at the time for the Penguins and like Malkin to end it in the shootout and the game where he got his silver stick and all that stuff like that was a fun one I don't remember exactly what I said but I just like that's that's the other thing like I do have some things that I think about but I find that I'm better when I not I shouldn't say better I find that I feel more in control of what I'm saying when I'm not thinking about it, if that makes yep, any sense. Like absolutely. if I had to have looked down at a piece of paper that I have something written down on, I'd be afraid I would stumble. Um, mm. So like that, I would say that Gino one was one. 
Um, the other Gino one that uh, was captured by that GoPro in March. I don't know if you guys saw that one at the end of the season against Washington. The Penguins tweeted it out. Um, like it was uh, the game where they blew the three nothing lead to the Caps, and then Malkin stole the puck from Manta in the final minute okay. and scored. Uh, that one's definitely up there. Um, oh, you know what else uh, I would say is the game Latang came back after his dad passed away. Yeah, that yeah. crazy game against Florida, which was mm-hmm. like, I remember Borky was between the benches for that game. And it was like the ugliest hockey game of the entire season. Like the final score was seven to six. Like yeah. it was just brutal. Like as far as how like the, the defensive <laughs> play, like just the team concept on either side, both teams, like look at the Panthers now, obviously, but both teams were like lost and Latang scores the OT winner. Like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the Latang OT winner against the Rangers in early March in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I can go back and forth on some of them. Sid's uh, 500 goal. Like that was cool. Yeah. Um, like to now be, or sorry, was it? No, 1,500 point. 1,500 point. Um, yeah, that was cool. Like I've been lucky enough with him. I've called his 400th goal, 500th goal, 1,000th, uh, no, sorry, 1,500th point. So, um, and Gino, hopefully next year is going to be at 500 goals. So, uh, and, I, and I do have something to add there. When these monumental moments happen on the ice, are you trying to say, like think to yourself, what's going to sound good in a replay like five years from now like do, like, <laughs> like do you try to come up with something like man this is a good one to say so i would say to an extent yes but i do think that's dangerous because then you could also stumble and then your mm. call's never going to be played so i like my for example when sid got his 1500 point like only 15 guys in the history of the league have done that that mm. that moment is going to live on because of the significance of it so it was a point though and i remember thinking to myself just please let it be a clean goal like Mm, don't let it be some double redirect that the puck hits somebody in the ass and bounces into the net you don't know who it's touched last and i'm like so when he took that shot detroit which we have a great vantage point there and he just snapped it in i was like 100 percent his goal i don't have to worry about it i can call it like um, that was big. Same with his 500th goal against the Flyers two seasons ago. Like one timer, they just ripped in. Like you knew that was his goal. There wasn't any doubt about it. Um, but I, I think that there's there has to be an element of preparation for those moments because I think they are significant. I don't get too caught up in what I'm going to say, but I am prepared with some kind of thought for those kind of things, because I, I, I think you'd be doing the moment disservice. Like this, these are, as much as they are a moment in hockey, they're a moment for these players. Like these guys, when their career's over, they're gonna look back on these and you want them to hear something and see something uh, that, that kind of gives them chills and makes them happy about that moment. And, you know, I feel like in those moments, like knock on wood, I haven't stumbled yet. <laughs> so we'll see, uh, if I'm given the opportunity to do them in the future that, uh, uh, whether or not I can take advantage, but yeah, they're they're uh, that's that's a sidebar to being a broadcaster in this league. But it's one of the great benefits of being a Penguins broadcaster because where these guys are in their careers right now, it's like every game there's something that's closing in that they're on the table. Like I think Jake Gensel's like 
two goals away from 200. Not that that's really? like huge. Wow. Yeah, not that that's like a huge milestone, but like he's he's almost there. Like Raquel's closing in on a big number. I think it's he's. I don't want to say 400, but he's closing in on a big number, uh, regardless. And and you know Latang's going to play his 1,000th game this upcoming season. So like there are there are some big milestones still in the docket. Gino, like I said, 500 goals. That's coming up too. So um, yeah, it's it's all on the table. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, like, I like the Yankees, so mm-hmm. don't hate me. But um, I listen to a lot of Michael K, and oh, yeah. he talks about that all the time about how like you kind of what he likes to do is he lets the moment breathe. He says that he he lets the fans hear the fans, and then like he'll just let his like genuine reaction just flow behind. Like he talks about Aaron Judge's sixty-second uh, home run, and that you know he said it would you knew of course as soon as it goes off the bat but he still he took a second to collect himself because he didn't want to just rush the moment you of know, course that's a, that's a monumental feat that he just did and you want to help build that moment as opposed to kind of steal it away from you know the athlete so right yeah i, I think you do a fa- fantastic job you really do and, and i do feel the the genuine you know kind of fan reaction behind it as well yeah, I mean, you start to cheer for these guys as people. So, exactly. like in these in these moments, you're like, "That's that's awesome!" Like this guy's one of the greatest players to ever do it, and he just had this moment. Like, give him his due, type of thing. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, kind of want to transition to on the ice with the the current state of the Penguins. Now, we'll we'll get into the upper management in a little bit, but just in terms of the actual skaters, like, is there? there's obviously going to be turnover here so when it when it comes to new players and you know departure of you know current players that are leaving like how does that go for you because like you said you build a relationship with these guys so like when the old ones go like does it does it hurt a little bit or does it depend on the player essentially so yeah i mean i think it it definitely depends on the player it depends on the timeline of the player in pittsburgh and you know like if they were there for if they were a trade deadline pickup that was there for four months or you know that's not even saying that long like two and a half yeah. months and then they're gone like you know them and maybe it's a handshake the next time they come in with a new team and just say hey how you doing but nothing that's going to be you know a long conversation like i'll say like when connor sherry came back the first time yeah. with buffalo like long conversation with him like still very friendly with him now um even though he's a capital but we'll, we'll get we'll get past it. <laughs> yeah. we get past um, it. Right. But like, uh, so for example, this year when Nick Benino got reacquired, like say what you will about his hockey, uh, ability. And obviously he had the, the kidney injury and, and all that stuff late in the year. But, uh, when he got acquired before that, uh, I was psyched because this guy was like one of my favorite people on the Penguins. And mm-hmm. I remember like he got in late to sunrise when we were, we were playing the Panthers actually. And he made his, his re-debut with the Penguins in that game, but he gets on the bus and it was kind of funny like crosby was getting on in front of him and uh all these fans were outside the hotel like oh sid can you sign can you sign he signs for a few of them and he gets on like bones comes on behind him he goes oh nothing's changed what's up boys (laughs) (laughs) and he's like just going and just such a good personality and like i I love that guy like it's just good to see him um i would say you know the obvious one is the one anyone would say is the flower like that guy when he left you understood it at the time i still don't think in the moment looking at where things were that it was the wrong decision you have to you can't 
be looking back with hindsight. You have to be looking in the moment. But um, at the same time, the dude's like one of the top five goalies of all time. I mean, he's yeah. <laughs> he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, so, like, for me, like, that was sad because he was a great guy. Uh, actually, hang on. I have this from uh, 2017. Here we go. Oh, look at this. So we're, I'm going to pull a little uh, Josh gets off here. Uh, he's currently up and he's getting <laughs> something from his room. There you go. Oh, there's more. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and he yeah. got a little message. He did. He, just, he said, pleasure working with you, buddy. All the best. And he signed it. That was after they won the cup. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, so you got to go in the locker room when they were just the champagne going and and oh, everything. Yeah. So I'm assuming you partook. That's the right word. Partook in that. <laughs> and and so, uh, I did. I did partake to an extent. I also am a firm believer that I'm not on the team and I'm not a player and those guys earned it. And I just kind of all of us do the work for the team, reap the benefits when they do earn it. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, had my moments like the reason I'm soaked in that is because he poured a beer on my head when I walked in the locker. <laughs> but uh, when, like, so those kind of moments are awesome. But like, so I had to do the post game show, both those cups. So like, we didn't get down until later. But I mean, it, that those parties go all night when you win that thing. So um, they were they were fun. But definitely, I, I definitely step back and let the players have their time because they're remember their families are there and all that stuff. And like, it's a it's a culmination of a lifetime of hockey for these guys and you don't want to be right on top of them. So I, I definitely respect that and stay back and hope that, you know, um, now having like a son of my own and all that. Josh, when we started this podcast, we had no idea what to do what direction to go into, how to check our analytics. We had no direction. But if we just signed up for Spotify for podcasters, we would have been in a way better spot. Yeah, absolutely. If we were able to join them from the start, we would have been able to just kind of hit the ground running a lot quicker than our taking almost a year to find them. All you got to do is record your podcast, whatever it may be, upload it to their website. You could check and uncheck certain options and then just hit live and you will be automatically on Spotify where all podcasts are, including ours. Yeah. So once it's uploaded, you just sit back, you let your, your fans find you. And then you just check the analytics on Spotify and you see how many people are listening, the demographic onto uh, where they're located. And then that gives you an idea on how to spin your uh, next episode and how to reach even a further audience. All you have to do is go on Spotify for podcasters and sign up today. No code necessary. Just sign up and hit the ground running. So 
up that maybe like there will be one more championship before it's all said and done because it'd be really cool to share it and have that experience here so we'll see oh oh there will be and yeah, yeah. before crosby's done there's going to be that's, another one i like what you're saying josh i hope so <clears throat> All it's right, happened. Josh. Now, now's the time to talk about upper management. Is that what you want to go? If to, you or? want to, if you want to go there. Okay. So, a <laughs> lot of articles coming out on the the Penguins Twitterverse. I'm sure you you've seen it about what Hextall is doing during all this trade deadline, Crosby's involvement, as well as Sullivan's. Are you like? obviously you're in the room when it happens right like you do you hear what's going on in upper management or are you just like hey i have a game to call i have to prepare i'm not all in that noise oh like during the season during the season you obviously you're on the bus planes with yeah. the players they're yeah i mean I, you know you see you see and you hear a lot and those things but i'm of the opinion that i'm given the opportunity to be in those situations and around those people because I have their trust. So none of that stuff leaks beyond what I see and hear in those moments. But like to your to your question, in the season, I, I really like I'm just zeroed in on calling the games. Like obviously, you know, I have my relationships with the players and like for a morning skate and stuff you'll talk and sometimes there are uh, members of the management team or members of Fenway there and you catch up with them a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But if it's a game day, like a normal game day, I should say, like, you, you know, you got your morning skate, you go into the locker rooms, you talk to the players, I do my game prep, I, you know, you get the bus to the game, you call the game and then you're on your way. But that's kind of just how it works for me game day. Like, am I around that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone who travels with the team is around that stuff. But I'm, I'm more geared on towards what I'm there to do. And that's call the games. Okay, so that's, that's kind of where I want to get to next is because one of the articles that was just dropped was that the alluded to a whole bunch of tension between Sullivan and Hextall. So like with you traveling with them, like, do you, do you feel it? Because as fans watching on TV, we kind of, we can kind of see that obviously Sullivan is mostly an angry person. It appears on the, <laughs> behind the bench, but like, it seems like there's something else going on. And now it kind of makes sense that it was Hextall. And I understand you, you have a, job with the penguins but like you know you, yeah. you feel it we're right? looking for an insider take here <laughs> what you guys are looking for i mean i think like here this is the best way i could describe it the penguins clearly had rips last year that's yeah. that that's been exposed right. i think we all saw it i think we all understood where it came from and how it worked out and now the you know the chips have, fall, have fallen afterwards with you know hexie and berkey being gone and uh the next gm slash president of hockey app slash however they designed that department you would think it's coming soon like I actually yeah. was kind of texting with a friend today and joking. I'm like, of course, I'm going to leave for Memorial Day uh, and there's going to be a hiring like tomorrow. But yep. we'll see. I mean, it's you know, it's coming soon. Like it has to. The draft is a month away. They have to kind of figure this out. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think here's the thing. Like when it comes down to a roster and how it's constructed, I think a roster works best when the GM and the coach are in unison on all the decisions. Because at the end of the day, the GM makes the decisions like he's that's his job he's literally the manager of the roster and that coach's job is to coach the roster but i think if the coach's input is being is falling flat or the gm is you know taking a separate route that he's not 
necessarily running past the coach when making moves. I think that kind of can lead to a, a situation that we saw just happen this past year. And it's unfortunate because I'll tell you right now, like Ron Hextall is a good dude. I know how he's being painted. Like he's a nice man. He is a kind man. He's not like he was as a goaltender. Um, he's, he's very forthcoming. I have the privilege to do that GM show with him. He was yeah. extremely amicable to me he was extremely gracious with his time amidst a lot of this stuff going on and some of the bad struggles happening he would never say no he did the show same with brian burke they did the show uh, and so did sully obviously but um this pertains to those two guys so i i really from my perspective cannot say anything negative about those guys as far as how they conducted themselves because my relationship with them was that. Now, when you're talking about the, con the construction of the roster, yeah, it, it was flawed crazily, right? Like there, there were a lot of issues. The bottom six was a disaster. Jeff Carter obviously fell, the wheels fell off after getting that extension. Like you wasted, who knows if you're getting 82 game seasons from Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin again, like not to sound like a negative man, but they're not young. Like that's a lot of mileage and you wasted two great seasons from them this year. So yeah. like, that does fall on the management. There's no question because that's roster management and that's unfortunate. But, you know, as far as the all the rips that are reported and everything, like I'm just going to I'm just going to choose not to comment on that. If that's OK with you guys. That is quite all right. <laughs> and I will just say, though, it is kind of nice to hear like you're a little frustration there with how you felt about uh, waste, essentially wasting these last. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think right, because that that's what you you leave yourself thinking like I so I looked at it. I'm like, OK, so Sid's making 8.7, obviously. Um, and and Gino's making 6.4, I think it is, or like a shade around six Some, or something. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So those two guys combined are making about 15 million dollars. You got $82 million in cap space, even with Latang's contract. Like, how was it not? Uh, that team should have been stacked with, yeah. what, with the space that you had to work with. That's what frustrated me the most is like, and you know, I will say there were a lot of guys that I think they expected more from. Mm -hmm. Dan Heinen, Kasperi Kapanen, like those guys that for sure. And if, the, if, if they do what you hope, which is always a risky game but if they do what you hope then you are in a great spot but you know they had a ton of injuries on the blue line i don't think that can be looked past either like when you're talking about a half a season without your three biggest uh minutes players in latang petrie and Pedersen, at various times like all together they probably missed around half a season like mm -hmm. that is that is a lot like mark friedman's a spark plug but you can't have him playing 19 20 minutes and for two weeks yeah. straight like same with chad ruil solid player steady eddie back there but when he plays 22 minutes a game it's it's not good and mm -hmm. it, like those guys wheelhouses is 15 minutes max and that's fine as a third pairing defenseman when they're playing up and they're facing top lines like that's a tough situation. Uh, then obviously Tristan had all his injuries. Like, I think that stuff is not an excuse. I think that's just reality. When you don't have those players, you can only do so much. But there were a lot of guys that were healthy for the whole year that did not do so much. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's the frustrating part when you look at the construction of that roster. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the issue that I feel like the Penguins have had for a very long time. But now it's like, I feel like it's starting to catch up as our, you know, the core is starting to get up there in age is the youth of, of the of the organization. 
because mm. now you're starting to see, you know, there's not much meat on the bones, you know, but I'm in Scranton, by the way, here in, in Scranton <laughs> with the, with the baby pens. So it, it's, it's, it, that's the worry part for me is that like, if we're going to go, you know, just try to rebuild, well, I shouldn't say rebuild, retool around the big three and you want youth and speed behind it, you're not getting it from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. So how do you, like, how do you build around that? And I, I think that's like the million dollar question for this, this, uh, this new GM that's coming in, but yeah, that's my little rant on it. So, so Josh, as, as a fan, obviously I know you can't comment, you can't say things, but as a fan, what would you like to see implemented this upcoming season? Like what, what kind of aspects of the roster would you say, Hey, if I was GM, what would I kind of implement this upcoming season? Well, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I look at it the same way you guys do. I do think there has to be an infusion of youth. But when you say youth, I don't like, and I I know this is not what you mean, Josh, but like when you say youth, I'm not just talking about just throwing young players in there for the sake of throwing young players. Like you want to have effective youth in your lineup. Mm -hmm. To me, and I'm willing to just completely eat crow on this if I'm wrong, I think that Ryan Paling and Drew O'Connor are going to take a step this year. And they're going to take a big step this year. I said the same thing. The the best thing about those two guys is that they are cheap. Ridiculously cheap. Paling's qualifying offer is going to be under $800,000. You can qualify him for one year and then see if he's really going to take that step forward, then figure out the next steps. I think he'll be back 100%. He's a perfect third-line center, maybe a fourth-line center, but he's got the speed. He can kill penalties. He had a ton of injuries last year and couldn't really find his way. But you could see those bursts when he was healthy, that he could be an effective player for this team. O'Connor is the one to me that is the biggest wild card. Now, last year, when I had these kind of conversations, I'm not trying to say he's going to have a similar year to the guy that I'm about to mention, but when everyone asked me, like, who's your biggest wild card, to me it was Jason Zucker because he was finally healthy. What would he be like finally healthy? Could we see the guy that put up 30 goals for Minnesota? Well, we almost did. Like he was, mm-hmm. he had a great season. Mm-hmm. Drew O'Connor has never seen an ascent in the NHL. I think it's been a slow and steady climb, but like last year, I'm sure you guys would agree to me, the time when I noticed him the most was after the trade deadline. Yeah. And what, what happened after the trade deadline? Teddy Bluger was gone. Brock McGinn was gone. Kasperi Kapanen was gone. He moved up and he got more opportunity and he was noticeable. And that's good. But you now have to become noticeable in more than just your forecheck and more than just your skating. You have to have stats. You have to put up points. That's how you stay in the NHL. Everyone can skate in the NHL. Everyone can forecheck in the NHL. But he's only 24 years old. And I don't know if you guys have watched the World Championships, but he looks good. Yeah. He yeah. looks real yeah. good. Casey He's Smith a, looked good the other night. He, he does. Last he week, does. too. So. He yeah. does. Hey, Casey was overworked this past year. He's a good backup goaltender. Um, but Drew O'Connor is is a guy to me that I, I look at, like you talk about youth. Okay, that guy, I'm not saying he should be next to Sid or Gino to start the year, but he should be seeing maybe time with the second power play unit as a net front yeah. guy. He should be getting some more ice time situationally. Like, it's time. You need to know what you have there, and you need to figure out what the next steps are, whether they're with Pittsburgh or not. But that guy, absolutely, I'm bringing him back. I'm bringing Paling back. I like that they re-signed Alex Nylander. It's a Are we bringing Zucker back? 
that's gonna be the that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah. I was just asking. I was just here's, asking. Here's why here's why it's gonna be a tough one. And I, I mean it's a fair question. Like I I would you bring him back if he's gonna do what he did this year? Absolutely. But this is the first year he's done what he did this year. And it's because he's been healthy. And some team I could see give him uh, you know, he's from Southern California, Nevada region originally. Like I could see one of those teams out here giving him four or five years. And the Penguins aren't going to do that. Like, they're just not. That's another long-term contract for a 30-plus-year-old guy that's on the books if they do that. Now, if he's willing to do a three-year deal at a reasonable amount, I bet you he would stay. And he's he loves it here. They love him. Trust me, Sullivan loves that guy. Like, yeah. but and that, and that holds clout. Sullivan has a lot to say right now. So um, yeah, I, I don't I don't rule that out, but... I just think that when you look at the grand scheme of things, the other thing that I say, and I, I, this is with all due respect to these players, because I know how hard they work, and I know it wasn't for lack of effort that they didn't get in the playoffs. It was just for a, a numerous amount of things that just kind of snowballed and kept them out. But yeah. if you say you love each other and you say you're really close with each other, which I believe they are, I know they are, I see it, um, but you don't win. The name of the game is to win. And unfortunately, with all these names that are out there as unrestricted free agents, how can you justify them being the right guys to bring back when they just missed the playoffs? Like, that's that's just my, like, you can love each other, but if you're not a winning combination, you kind of have to find one that is, especially while you're in the, the end of the window with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Now, if you're in a total rebuild, yeah, maybe bring them back. You know, have some fun. Let's see what happens. But and I'm talking about all those guys that are UFAs, by yeah, the way, yeah. not, not Zucker. But, like, I just don't – I don't see a way that you can bring back, like they did this past year, most of the roster and sell that to everyone as we're going to turn it around this year. Now – I think there are some things that are that are going to be interesting to watch this year. Like they do have some big contracts that it'd be interesting to see how they maneuver. But there are some free agents out there this year that to me are younger and fit kind of where I'd like to see them go. Like I've been on this train for a long time. Phil Bork, if he was listening, would know exactly what I'm going to say. And I watched him in the playoffs and I would text him all the time. I'm like, Tyler Bertuzzi needs to be on this yes. team. He needs to be <laughs> yes. on this team. And he looked pretty damn good in black and gold. Granted, that was Boston, but like he looked good here too. So I love that guy. I'd love to see his kind of just his personality on this team. He's also three years younger than Zucker. Um, so that that's he's in his late 20s and he's 28 or 29. But so like that's a guy. I look at the defense, like Ryan Graves with the Devils. Hello. Yeah. I keep an eye on him. He's a right-hand shot. He's a big boy, 6'5", 200 plus pounds. And also, um, or sorry, he's not right. He's a left-hand shot, my, my mistake. Um, but he's going to be in a situation here in New Jersey where things look great, but they got to resign Timo Meyer. They got to resign Jesper Bratt. Those are going to be two big contracts. And then are you able to turn around and sign a guy like Graves, who's probably going to want four and a half to $5 million a year? Like those are the kind of guys that I think would really help. Like you sure up your blue line, you add a couple of those grittier, but scoring capable type forwards. Like I'd love to see like a Nola Chari or a Garnet Hathaway. I know we didn't mm-hmm. like him with the caps, but he'd be great on our fourth line. Yeah. Uh, Sid, and he can skate. Like that's the thing you need guys. The NHL is not, you're not getting a Ryan Reeves. You're getting guys that can be a complete package. Um, and I think there are options out there. It's not as 
um, sexy of a field as it's been in the past years as far as free agents. But there are effective answers to what this Penguins team needs. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Do you think... Oh, okay. go ahead, Josh. Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead, Louis. I was thinking, I, hey... I like where you're going. The Holabuck from Winnipeg, he's going to become available. Do you think the Penguins make it to get a, a more veteran goalie into uh, the roster? Or you're like, I think we're good with our goaltenders. I I don't know what the goaltending answer is going to be, but I'll tell you this. I just don't see Hellebuck as an option because I don't know who the Jets would be able to like say is a fair return. Okay. To your point you made earlier, Josh, like our farm system's weak right now. Like you can't just say you're going to trade for Connor Hellebuck. This guy's like a Vesna finalist. Like he's won a Vesna. He's he's a great goaltender. And also the other side of it is he's in the last year of that current contract. So if you trade for him, you got him this year. Then what? Is he going eight by eight? And then he's one of your most expensive players. Like that's the issue here. So I, I don't dislike the, the Hellebuck idea, but I think there's more to it than just saying you're going to add him and figure out the rest. Like that's the other side of it is like, the goaltending situation. Like the Smith, I believe, will be back. He's cheap. He's affordable. He knows his role here. He's He'll be the backup. Yeah. yeah. The starter is the question. Like Tristan Jari is, I mean, he was very outspoken about the injuries he played with at the end of the year. He was just on a really team friendly deal the last three years that I think three and a half mil a year. Now He's going to command more than that, probably double that in a salary now. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's a good goal. Don't get me wrong. I think we right. all worry about the we all worry about the durability, and and uh, I'm not even worried about the playoffs. Like I don't think that's fair because he hasn't gotten a fair shake. Like he played great in Game Seven against the Rangers last year. They lost in overtime. Like pretty much hurt too. Right? Yeah, yeah hurt. he was hurt. Yeah, right. And you're playing Shesterkin. Like, what are you going to do? Um, but like, I just I don't know. I I'm not I'm not as against Tristan Jari as others are, but I just look around and it's the same deal as it was a couple of years ago. You're like, okay, so if you don't sign Tristan Jari, like, where are you going to go? Like, I I happen to think Jonas Corposalo is a pretty damn good goalie, and I wouldn't oh, be opposed yeah. to him. Um, but I don't know if LA is going to keep him. He played pretty well there. Like, exactly. Uh, you know, John Gibson's another name out there as a trade target. But again, what do you give in Anaheim? Yeah. Like. That the, it's always nice to float these names, but there's a real aspect of what's the return. Like if you, from yeah. the Penguins' perspective, like you're going to throw a John Gibson in there, and he's got four years left on his deal at five mil a year, and he's a Pittsburgh kid. Like hell yeah, sign us up. But from the Ducks' perspective, it's like okay, we get what? Exactly. And so yeah, like yeah. that's like the Ducks are in a full rebuild. They're not going to accept like. A, an aging player like and, and you know a third round draft pick like they're gonna want the maximum return as they should so like yeah. that's kind of how that whole thing will it's gonna be interesting but i mean the new gm is gonna be busy right away let's put it that yeah. way <laughs> yeah and a big issue like what louis was talking about with the the goaltenders is that like i louis wants to trade for a goalie because the the market for free agency in goaltending has skyrocketed. Like right. what you were saying with Hellebuck, you know, probably wanting eight by eight. I mean, that's on the low end of what he could probably get in the open market. You know, right. it's it's unreal because like Flurry signed a ridiculous contract a few years ago and I thought that was wild wow. and he's approaching 40 years old now. So right. it's just, I, I don't know. It's it's a wild time right now and and uh, as a penguins fan and i don't know i, I think it's going. a rough time 
obviously we're not using the word rebuild because it's not a rebuild rebuild we're just we're kind of just mixing the pot right now in this offseason i don't know maybe josh you would use the word uh rebuild but with that being said i don't know what we can use to kind of make us a stanley cup team this upcoming season do you see us aiming for the cup next year or just saying hey let's just get our ducks in a row and then move forward I mean, I, I think I think the Penguins' philosophy, as long as the Crosby and Malkin and Latang are here, is the cup. Okay. But but you have to be realistic. Like you miss the playoffs, you want to get back into the playoff picture. I think if anything, this year has proven that once you're in, who the hell anything knows? Can happen. Like, yep. <laughs> like yeah, it's, it's playoff like, hockey. Yeah, right. absolutely. And you start to feel yourself, and you start to play really well, and you get some good goaltending. Like all of a sudden, two wins becomes four, and you advance, and then four wins becomes eight, becomes twelve. I mean, like it's just it, it can snowball pretty quickly. So I, I think that your goal is to get in next year, and then let the chips fall where they may after that. You're not that far. I mean, you missed the playoffs by a point. It's not like you were out. Now, it's it's also interesting to think about the other side of things because Buffalo is coming. Ottawa's coming. Detroit's coming. Yep. You know, I would think Columbus is going to be better. Like, people forget they had, I think, almost 600 man games lost to injury last year. Like, it was insane the amount of injuries they had. Um, so, like, they're going to be better. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be more what people thought last year, like challenging for like the sixth or fifth spot in the Metro, which is a hard game now. It's not like you're playing a, a basement team anymore. Uh, the Devils are going to have high expectations. The Rangers are going to be really good. They'll also have a new coach. Um, you know, the, the Hurricanes, they'll just be the steady team that they always are, like right somewhere in the top three in the Metro. Maybe they win it again. Um, but like that's, that's kind of how things are going to go next season so like you have to worry about yourself if you're the penguins and you have to think like okay where were our deficiencies how can we best address that to get ourselves over the hump and be back in the playoffs now i think there was humbling for this core group like last year like these guys there's the first time in their lives they played a game that was inconsequential in the regular season it's true so I would expect them to be ticked off next year. And there will be those moments like, you know, you have those games in the past where it's like, oh, they they lost like 4 nothing in, I don't know, like Chicago, like terrible loss, but like, oh, well, we'll get them next game. Like, I don't know how much of that we're going to see next year. I think there's going to be way more of a game-to-game focus because I think they, they kind of found out the hard way this year that if you do let things snowball, you're not always going to be able to dig yourself out of it. Like in the past years, they maybe had a losing streak of like three or four games, but then they bounce back. They take points in 10 or 12 and you forget about that four game losing streak. Like this year, it was like you lose seven in a row. Then you take points in 10 or 12, but then you lose six in a row. And like, I just think that next year is going to be way more of a focus on the mental aspect of just like Sullivan says it all the time, like staying in the moment, being ready for each and every game in front of you and just kind of letting the chips fall where they may from there. But I just, I just have a feeling that it's going to be a different feel around this team next year in a good way. Like there's going to be just like a supreme focus and maybe even a little bit like depending on how they break, they build this roster, a little bit of like an FU attitude towards mm, the rest please. of the league like, to come back and kind of, I don't want to say a revenge tour because they kind of made their own bed last year. It's not like they got screwed by anyone but themselves. But yeah. like, 
there'll be more of a like this is who we really are type of yeah. season yeah. Uh, coming up here now there's a yeah. lot of decisions to be made no doubt but like that's that's kind of how I foresee it hey as long as we have an angry Sidney Crosby I'll, I'll I'll put money on us winning the cup I, I, I don't know yeah like when whenever I see him like I don't know like you know you see him get checked you know the wrong way and you see him coming up the ice and he has that fire in his eyes I'm like oh man I, I, I want like 10 of him on a team because obviously like 10 of Sidney Crosby's would be fantastic but um, just just seeing that motivation you could tell it's it's on his mind what it was a a week or so not even that after the season he was out on the ice with P.O. Joseph right yeah yeah, yeah he oh, was skating wow. around he was just he was you could tell he's like I man I wish I was still playing like you could tell oh, yeah. that that there's a motivation going that team, I feel no matter what is happening on that roster next season, you're going to see a Sidney Crosby that's Sidney Crosby-like once again, coming out on the ice and, and be phenomenal. And I meant to ask you, you've been around Sidney Crosby. You've talked to him on the bus, all that nonsense. You see a different side of Sid than what we see. Is there any way that you can describe his motivation or his leadership because we don't really hear about his leadership as much. His leadership to the team when the cameras aren't on. Hmm. Um, well, like he has, I don't want to say it's an aura because he doesn't conduct himself in that kind of a way. Like he's not sure. like a look at me type of guy, but he has like this, this kind of light on him when he's in a room, like people, everyone kind of knows he's there. Everyone wants to talk to him and hear from him. The one thing I would say about him is he, and I, I've only, I, it's hard for me to really have a strong opinion about this, on this, uh, about Connor McDavid, because I only see him a couple times a year that the Penguins play him and I watch TV interviews with him. But Sidney Crosby seems to just get it from the perspective of, he's the captain of the Penguins for what, a decade, two decades. He was the face of the NHL. I think it's fair to say that Connor McDavid and that crew have kind of taken over like the face of the league now, which is probably sure. for the best. Like you want to grow the game. You want younger fans to grow up with these newer names, but mm -hmm. like he still gets it. Like you go somewhere, they have a bad loss. He talks after the game. That to me is the ultimate sign of leadership. It's like, it's easy to meet the media. It's easy to talk to your teammates and have fun when you're winning. It's different when you're losing, especially in a place like Pittsburgh, because people care about him here like if you're losing in florida and you turn on the radio when you're driving to the rink the next morning like they're probably not even talking about sports all due respect to florida like mm -hmm. but here you turn on the radio the next morning it's like oh our pens lost again like whether you're listening to the x or you're listening to dve or one of those things like there's they're always there's a conversation and like that kind of stuff it's like damn like so when you're losing it doesn't feel good but I think to see the way that he conducts himself when they lose, that, that he meets the media, that he answers every question, that he's thoughtful in answering questions. He doesn't give you that, like, well, I don't understand what you mean by that type of thing. Like, I'm not yeah. going to talk about that. He answers every question. That, to me, if I'm a player in that dressing room, I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, how can I not own my mistakes? How can I not own the things that I did wrong in that game if the best player on our team every time we lose is stepping out to talk like i should be able to do my share as well and i'm not talking about, about like just talking to the media just like responding after a loss type yeah. of thing like mm -hmm. i would say that's the biggest thing for me like i see it 
and even you know on the bed, the bus and stuff like you lose it's not i mean depending on if you lose an overtime or a shootout in the regular season i wouldn't say it's like a, a morgue on the bus but like yeah. if you lose you know you lose a game that you feel like you can win guys are annoyed like they're competitive they're professional athletes they want to win and he's not walking around doing the rah-rah but he definitely has a bit of a um, a calming influence i would say upon just the team in general when when things are a little south and it's easy to be mr positive when things are going well but he has that element things are not as well yeah i mean he's our goat uh 100 yeah. i mean we don't fangirl over him at all in this podcast. <laughs> no, not at all we, we, did, we did what, what did we do like the like we did like a mount rushmore and uh like obviously like over oh of uh, all hockey of, of all hockey. yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay so we did like lemieux gretzky crosby and then we're like everyone else just figure out the rest like we don't care like it's those <laughs> well we three, said we said or mal uh malkin sorry no offense malkin um or uh gretzky uh lemieux and crosby that's my mount rushmore yeah. of hockey but well you know i may be biased but but i mean how can you deny like just this like you know he has one more season of a point per game he ties wayne gretzky i mean i don't think a lot of people are talking about obviously the penguins universe is talking about that but like the nhl yeah. kind of has been sleeping on that because like you said the face of the nhl is more mcdavid matthews right. those kind of guys crosby's sleeping on hey give me a season or two point per game i'm the greatest hockey player of all time like when you think about last year if they would have gotten into the playoffs he wouldn't have been a heart trophy finalist but you could make an argument like yeah. that was not a great hockey team and he almost single-handedly got them in because of how he played like so yeah to your point he's still wrong and i agree with you on that point per game thing like that is an insane statistic and like i think stats are, are a great thing for hockey they they tend to lend a lot to a story but they also sometimes can be skewed in a way that you want to see them there's no interpretation on that one yeah. <laughs> if he if he hits 19 and then 20 years of that he is quite there's no no argument he is the most consistent player in national hockey league history like they're yeah. just you cannot argue it because no one else has done it yeah no. yeah but that's that's one of our arguments for him being the go is that the consistency and the the full 200 foot game 200 foot game like yep. yeah Gretzky, Ovechkin, they're just going to score. That's all. That's all they're going to do. Yeah. Crosby's going to meet you on the back end and you know hit you with a with a back check and steal the puck from you, skate it all the way back and pass it over and get the assist. And so it's unreal. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: like I remember last year, or the, not this past season, but the one before when he was sitting at 499 goals. There were two opportunities with an empty net when he was at 499. I don't know if you guys remember, they played Ottawa and they played yes. the Devils. And he was out there blocking shots instead of trying to clear the puck down the ice. And I'm like, like he knows he's at 499. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's like, he's like, not. I'm not even saying like he didn't want it to be an empty net goal. He's just thinking more like, we got to win this hockey game. Like I got to yes. keep the puck out of my net. I'm not concerned about going down there and scoring a goal that you know would be a milestone, but in the grand scheme of things, would just kind of pad the lead in a game. Um, and I, I think that kind of those moments right there, you think back, you're like. Like that's unique. Like I mean, that yeah. that's just a different mindset. And it, you can talk about being a team player, and I know a lot. Hockey's a team first sport. There's no question. But like, man, that guy embodies it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's why he's the GOAT. That's why he's the GOAT. He's the yeah. best. He's the best. But hey, Josh, do you have anything? No. Left? I, I mean, you've answered I'm... everything we could have possibly, <laughs> you know, imagined to ask you from your from your upbringing to, to the Penguins organization to to hopefully what the Penguins will do in the future as we get find this GM. We were afraid that while we were on this call that they were going to announce it. That was that our great for you guys. I could have talked I mean, about I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. like, well. like you, how you take a moment before you react. I'm like, I'm all reacting. So, <laughs> knows how that would have turned out. But I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Once again, we could not imagine. We started this podcast two seasons ago as just a hobby, just something to do. And I remember listening to you and I'm like, we are never never going to be able to speak to guys like that in the penguins organization so thank you so much for first of all being approachable um and being willing to come on a podcast for two stooges that that think they know hockey so thank you so much for coming on yeah no thanks for having me i mean if you guys are the two stooges we could just be the three stooges together like we could just do this thing but i know i appreciate you guys asking me like it's it's always fun to talk hockey like one thing that i've come to love about being in Pittsburgh is that sports are the king here and it's just such a cool community of people who support their teams and want to see them do well and like just just being involved in, in everything in, in the city and around the city it's just it's a cool energy all the time and people are always talking about the team so like you know, I appreciate Penguins fans a lot. I mean, they've been awesome to me since we've gotten here, and, and uh, you know, we'll keep it going. And we, we uh, hopefully we have better days ahead as far as the results are concerned this year and moving forward. All right, absolutely. Be- Couldn't have said it better myself. Before we head out, we ask this of every guest that comes on the podcast: your favorite Penguins moment of all time for you. You grew up a Flyer. Flyers fan, we'll forgive you on that. But when you started realizing more about hockey and you learned what good hockey was and you became a Penguins fan, what was your favorite moment that was maybe emotional or just really cool to see? So I'll go with uh, um, the first thing. When you said that, the first thing that popped in my head, there's a couple. Um, but my favorite moment, I think, was the double OT Kunitz goal against Ottawa. Because for two reasons. One, I was doing the post-game show at that point, but I was also doing the intermission show on the video board. And in overtime, it's a 20-minute period. So I had to be ready to go in the studio to do the intermission show on the video board in case it went to another overtime. So I had to stay in the press box. When he scored, I just remember grabbing all my shit and like running as fast as I could, like down the hall. And people are like high-fiving each other. I'm like giving elbow bumps and all that stuff and like running in my suit down the hallway to get to the uh, radio state uh, set up inside the Lexus club. So that was fun. Uh, but the other side of that was, and I think you guys would agree, when Kunitz scored that goal, you knew they were going back to back. It just was a matter of how many games it was going to take to beat the Predators. But that was the other cool part of that that I remember. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite memory. Um, I I just, I remember where I was, what I was wearing. It was just, it's just one of those things. It's a, it's a monument in a, in a, in Penguins fans life. It's just that goal. Sid obviously assisting that, that, that shot. Just Anderson looking silly with his shoulders up, shrug. You can like, tell. You can tell he knew. You, you like, knew it was oh, going. No. You, yeah, you saw it. Uh, Doc Emmerich was making that call. Yeah. And as soon as, before he said anything, 
I was like, we're going to win the cup. Like, I just know, like, I knew it. And yep. I was like, we're going to win this. So, um, yeah, Josh. Yeah, Josh, I just, I just want to say thank you again uh, so much for taking the time just to come on. Uh, like Louis said, you know, we're just a couple brothers who just uh, try to just build our bond with the Penguins grow a little bit more. So uh, thank you again for taking the time. I want to wish uh, you and your son and your dog safe travels wherever you're headed for Memorial Day weekend. Thank uh, you. I, I hope he, uh, he'll he nap during that time with you. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I hope you have a great summer. I mean, if you ever want me to come back on, you know where to reach me. So uh hope to talk to you guys again. And I'm sure it'll be, what, we got a month till the draft, a month and a week till free agency. So everything's coming. It's just a matter of enjoying this next little bit of downtime until it all ramps back up again. That's right. Thanks again, Josh. Hey, thanks, thanks. guys. Thank you again for Josh Getzoff for joining. Guys, that'll do it for this episode. Josh, where can these beautiful people find us? Yeah, as always, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, iHeartRadio, Amazon, wherever you're listening, we are there. Just make sure you subscribe, like, leave a review, comment. And you guys, you you keep building this so that we can keep getting guests like this. This is this is our goal. This is our goal to keep getting, you know, guests that you find entertaining that you already listen to. You know, like you're already listening to Josh every game on the radio. So, you know, let's keep it going. Hey, maybe we'll go after Steve Mears next. Sydney Crosby on the horizon. <laughs> That's all I got to say there. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. And as always, let's go Pens.